Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Amanda, an 18-year-old in your practice, presents for a college physical. She's going to the state university and is very excited to start school this fall. She has no complaints and her exam is normal, except for a new tattoo on her left scapular region. The area immediately adjacent to the colorful butterfly is slightly inflamed, but without induration. Amanda tells you proudly that she and her two best friends got tattoos two nights ago as part of a special celebration night before they leave for college. The butterflies were symbols of rebirth and their new adventure in college. This is her first tattoo. She tells you that her parents know about the tattoo and are okay with it. You have cared for Amanda since she was a toddler. She is on the honor roll, plays the flute in the school band, and does not use drugs or alcohol. What do you say to Amanda today about her tattoo? Is she at increased risk for any adverse outcomes? And if so, what special risks should she be assessed for? This is Frank Domino, family physician and professor at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Joining me today is Susan Feeney, assistant professor and coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School Graduate School of Nursing. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thanks, Frank. Wow. So this is an increasingly common situation. What does the medical evidence tell us about the risks and common complications of body modifications, piercings, tattoos, and scarification? Well, um, this is a fascinating topic and it has changed um, tremendously over the last uh, 10 years, like everything else in our society. Everything's moving rather quickly. So the recent evidence on the prevalence, um, we don't have really recent data. The guidelines that were just put out by the American Academy of Pediatrics in September of this year. It's a wonderful document and I recommend it to everyone. Um, they talk about the most recent information from a 2010 Pew research study. Um, and they said that 38% that of 18 to 29 year olds have at least one tattoo. And 72% of those are covered by clothes. 23% uh, have piercings. And there's really no evidence on scarification. And scarification is the um, intentional irritation of skin to create a pattern of design. So it's not intent to self-injure like cutting. It mm -hmm. really is for decoration. And there's, there is a trend that came up in the like, 2000s. 1990s, 2000s, but there really isn't any type of uh, data on how frequent it is. But they're very clear to indicate that it's up to us to determine the intent. As long as it is in, the intent is decorative and um, artistic, then there's no what they call non-suicidal self-injury. Um, and that, again, uh, no evidence on that. But um, what is really true is the data, I think, is lagging behind what we see um, anecdotally and clinically, because I know myself, I'm seeing many more tattoos and multiple tattoos. So as far as risk, there's certain risks that are, that are associated with, um, with the actual acts themselves. But for the a long time, we saw that these types of practices, tattooing and piercing, had a high association with high-risk behaviors, especially in adolescence. So violence, uh, sexual, early sexual activity, um, substance use, 
um, suicidal ideation and behavior. And what the evidence is showing us now is that is diminishing, that that correlation, that association doesn't seem to be as strong. And that, like our Amanda in the story, many times it has no correlation to that. And so that is the change um, that has been sort of remarkable. Doesn't mean we still don't assess for, for those uh, types of risks, that would, but we would be doing that anyway with all of our, uh, with all of our adolescents and, and all of our patients. But that, by seeing a tattoo doesn't necessarily mean that there's a very high correlation with high-risk behavior, which is a change from what you and I learned uh, in school and, and not even in, in like in the last prior 10 years. So that's a little bit of a change. Um, now, as far as risk, obviously tattooing and piercing and scarification, those things have some inherent risk. Um, with tattooing, if it is done in an appropriate uh, parlor or uh, you know establishment, uh, and they're using sanitary techniques, um, the risk actually is quite low. And when you think about what they do, they have to wash the skin. There's a whole procedure. They have to use a particular type of antiseptic. Uh, you do pre-surgery, clean the skin, and then the tool that they use. Um, the needle, and it should be a brand new needle used on everyone, um, and then that gets discarded just like a needle in, in our business would be. They make multiple, hundreds of little indentations into the skin, um, which obviously will cause um, some, some bleeding. Um, so that if the procedure is followed, and as if they're using clean ink, non-contaminated ink, um, the risk of infection is actually quite low. Um, and then post procedure on a, on a tattoo, um, the re recipient needs to make sure that they're cleaning it, keeping it covered for 24 hours, um, staying out of jets or, or hot, hot tubs so they don't get direct um, forceful water into that area for 24 hours, and then it's open to air. But they are to use a, uh, an antibiotic ointment for a couple of days, and they're to use sunscreen if they're going out because that can cause damage to the area. Um, Piercings, you know, um, most women have, have had their ears pierced, and most women, and most people who have had a piercing will say that at some point there's been an infection, but it's usually a very limited infection. Um, so, uh, proper care of that with an antiseptic and um, the trying to avoid trauma, and that's the biggest problem. Like on a, a navel or even on an earlobe, um, the, any type of pulling or pressure will cause damage to the tissue. And the thing about piercings are, is that they can take two to eight weeks to heal, and uh, genital piercing um, can take up to nine months. So that's where some of the, uh, the trauma can occur. But most of the infections, and one thing that came up in the literature, we don't have good data on, on actual rates of infection but anecdotally it appears to be really low. Um, and if it's cared for appropriately, there should be um, low impact as far as that. Um, when there is an infection, there is a worry. So if, there, if the procedures are not uh, followed closely, if someone is having a piercing done by a quote-unquote amateur or in a prison or in a, um, you know, some place where they're not meeting the regulations, well, then there's worry of, you know, um, you can have hep C, of course, is a, is a worry, hep B, uh, HIV, um, tetanus. So those things are, are not minimal. They're not, those are very wor worrisome. Um, so it's buyer beware. People really need to know where they're having this procedure done and what whether they're following the the uh, regulations. So what I hear you saying, Susan, is that our previous assumptions about uh, tattooing and body 
changes, body modification, um, we used to believe was associated with high-risk behaviors, especially in younger folks, and the data is showing that that's less so. Uh, additionally, it sounds like uh, the use of, of body modification, people are choosing it more commonly. Nonetheless, I find myself sometimes uh, um, challenged to discuss this with younger uh, younger folks because I worry they're making a decision that's going to affect them the rest of their life. Do you have any advice for me and, and others who uh, on effective ways we should be counseling our, our younger adult patients about body modification? Well I think with everything else you know we need to be aware of what our our inherent biases. You know, I'm from that generation too where there's a feeling of this is high risk and it's not something I would recommend or would want for myself or my children. So having to understand that and try to meet the patient where they're at. But I think what we really need to do a good job of is um, screening, is to say, it turns out one of the studies said that 55% of college students are contemplating getting a tattoo. So maybe doing some screening with our, with our adolescents. Is this something you've thought about? Do you have friends that, you know, if you think you're going to have one of these done, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the fact, and one of the recommendations the American Academy of Pediatrics says is, you know, you do need to talk about the permanence. That, you know, what you might think is, looks good today is, may not look good as you get older. Um, I, you should, we should also be counseling them about even though there are changes in acceptance and it is generational, it may have an impact on career and job, you know, especially where you have a piercing or where you have a tattoo. Um, even though your, your friends and everyone around you may have it, if you're applying for a job with somebody who's older, that may, not, that may affect your ability to, to move forward. Um, and also really giving them information on that um, there are regulations, every state has a regulation and, and uh, on laws as far as consent and, um, and that kind of thing. Um, we all need to know what our laws are in our state and there's a wonderful uh, website, the National Conference of State Legislators and you can go right there and it'll, it brings up Massachusetts, it brings up all the others as far as what the regulations are as far as consent and what type of uh, um, laws and regulations are around about, about these uh, studios. And they're quite tight in Massachusetts and in and New Hampshire and, and, and most of the New, uh, New England states. So what I would say is have the, have the adolescent or the, the adult visit the parlor that they're thinking to go to and see what their practices are before they go. They should be using clean gloves. They should be using a new needle. Um, they should be using fresh ink that, you know, just like we would multi-dose vials, we're not using them that much anymore. They should not. There should be a fresh ink um, for every type of um, color they're using. Um, and it should be in a disposable container. So, and most parlors who are reputable will recommend that you can come in and see that. So I would really stress that. And that's also a way of telling them this is serious. Also, one thing that came out in the study is that um, about 60% of people who had t uh, t college students who had tattoos understood there was a risk of HIV, but less than 30% understood about hep C, hep B, and tetanus. So that we really do need to explain to them that these are real risks, especially if they're going to a place that is not using sanitary um, procedures and so it is incumbent upon them to, to do that um, and I think that also tr 
shows our concern, but also lets them know this is not a trivial thing that you're doing. Um, we have to spend time talking to them about what the signs and symptoms are of infection. Um, there's a non-tuberculosis mycobacterium that can occur, and those if that occurs, it's it, those kids needs to go to see ID. So we need to be very uh, clear that, you know, if you see any blisters, if you see any uh, pustules, uh, impetaginous type of things, that you need to be seen right away, um, and and proper care afterwards. The, um, the other thing is temporary tattoos, people get those with henna. It turns out black henna is very, it's hypersensitive, and many kids will have, and many adults will have reaction to that. Um, and that um, the sensitivity or the inflammation is not uncommon, and people have reaction to, to that. There is a risk of um, that the ink that's used because of the high metal content um, can be a carcinogen, carcinogenic. And, um, it depends on how much ink you have and how long you've had it, but that is something to be concerned about. Susan, thanks so much for bringing this to our attention today. Thanks, Frank. Practice pointer, uh, the use of tattooing by young adults is increasing and is less likely to be associated with some of the high-risk behavior we've seen in the past. Screen your young adults for their interest in getting tattoos, and if they are, be sure to also screen them for uh, risk of intentional self-injury. Join us next time when we discuss how to obtain a blood pressure reading in a patient with morbid obesity. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on primed.com. Thank you again for listening.